So the first reading tonight comes from Isaiah 35, on page 720 of the Church Bibles. And we're reading the whole of 35, Joy of the Redeemed. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear, your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution, he will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the, lamp, will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and stream in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs in the haunts where the jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on, the way, on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there. But only the redeemed will walk there, and those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. The second reading is Matthew 20, 29 to 34 on page 988. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. And they shouted all the louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. Well, how well do you see? Uh, for some of us, not as well as we used to, is the answer. It's now a running joke in my family. I have four pairs of glasses and still don't have one on me and can't read what people show me. Tonight, I want you to see Jesus clearly and more powerfully. I want you to see who he is and I want you to see yourself. It seems to me that if you see Jesus clearly, and if we see ourselves clearly, it will radically change who we are. First of all, though, can you see the crowds? The crowds who are heading up to Jerusalem. 
It's not unusual for crowds to be heading to Jerusalem. It's the main city. And in Jerusalem is the temple where you go to worship your God. And the crowds are excited to be going up. And this is no ordinary time to be heading up. It's Passover. And it's no ordinary Passover for the crowds can see Jesus. And they can see that he is no ordinary man. These are the crowds, I take it, who are about to cry out when he enters Jerusalem. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Can you see the crowds? Do you think the crowds see these two men sitting by the roadside? These two men are not going up to Jerusalem. These two men are not going anywhere. And they are not seeing Jesus. They are not seeing the crowd. They are not seeing anything. Two blind men sitting by the way, begging, I presume. Does the crowd see them? I don't think so. Does the crowd want to see them? No, they are somebody else's problem. And when they have to hear them, they are not impressed. These two men cry out, and when the crowd hears them, verse 31, the crowd rebuked them. Do you remember what the disciples did when people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to bless them? They rebuked the people. Jesus is too busy, too important, and little children and Blind men are simply not important enough. And after all, these blind men are ruining the moment. Shouting out when everyone is heading to Jerusalem in joy and expectation. They are on their way. And the last thing they want to do is stop. Can you see the crowd? And can you see Jesus? Jesus is also going up to Jerusalem, not just to do the religious thing, not just to worship in his father's house. What's he going to do? He's going to be delivered into the hands of sinful men. They will condemn him to death, hand him over to the Gentiles. He'll be mocked, flogged and crucified. And on the third day, he'll be raised to life. If there was ever anyone going somewhere to do something important, it is Jesus at this moment. Nothing must stop him. So can you see what Jesus does? Verse 32, Jesus stopped. What's the shortest verse in the Bible? Jesus wept. It's famous because it's the shortest verse, just Two words, a subject and a verb. This one, sadly, is not the shortest verse, but I think it's just as important how extraordinary it is that Jesus wept at Lazarus's tomb. How extraordinary it is when Jesus is going to die and rise again and enter his kingdom, when he hears two blind men cry out, the crowd rebukes them, but Jesus stops. Jesus stopped and called them and spoke with them and healed them. Are we surprised by that? 
No, not at all. For Jesus just said, Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slaves. This is exactly what you'd expect Jesus to do. We have lots of strong leaders in our world, don't we? And we want our leaders to be strong and to know where they are going and what they are going to do and not to be distracted, to let nothing stop them. In fact, we are so keen on strong leaders who will lead us well that we're prepared to overlook the way they treat little people, vulnerable people. In the end, often we don't really care. We just want someone who can get the job done. But on our better days, we actually want someone like Jesus. He is on a mission, a mission from God, and Jesus stopped. Can you see Jesus? I think if you see Jesus at this moment, you love Jesus. What a great, compassionate king we have. And I think if you can see Jesus, then not just in our minds criticise worldly leaders who don't care about little people, there's a rebuke here for us, isn't there? Not for the crowd, but for us. Sometimes we are so focused on our religious experience like they were, on our religious ritual that we don't care about little people. Sometimes we as leaders, those of us who lead, are so focused on getting the job done and going somewhere that the little job or the little person, rather, doesn't seem important enough. And all of us, I think, we're so focused on being on the way, on going somewhere, on the task that needs to be done, that when something comes up, when someone comes up who's needy, physically needy, emotionally needy, psychologically needy. Maybe they're needy all the time. Maybe just today they are needy. What do we do? It could be on the street. It could be at the shops. It could be at your work. It could be here at church. It could be in your own home when you are focused on what you need to do and you should ask, I think, I should ask myself, what would Jesus do? A man on a mission, but Jesus stopped. Can you see Jesus? Do you want to be like Jesus? We need to see Jesus in this passage, and there's two other people that we need to see. In these chapters, as we've seen Jesus' upside-down kingdom, 18 to 20, uh, we've seen lots of people coming to Jesus as he's going to Jerusalem. These people see Jesus, they see themselves, and they come to Jesus. So the, the Pharisees see Jesus, a teacher that they want to trap. They see themselves clever and wily, and so they come to test him about divorce. The rich man sees Jesus as a teacher. He sees himself as someone who can do good to inherit eternal life. And so he comes and asks, what must I do? 
and James and John see that Jesus holds the key to greatness. They see themselves as worthy of greatness, and so they come asking for a favour. I think if you think about it, people come to Jesus like that today. They come to test him. They come asking what they can do to be good. They come asking for a favour. But right back at the beginning of what we looked at, it was really clear. Have a look, Matthew 18, verse 1. It was really clear that all of this was wrong. The disciples, who should have known better, are arguing about who is the greatest. And what does Jesus say? He takes a little child. Unless you become like a little child, you will not even enter the kingdom of heaven. So I wonder who it is who gets to enter. I wonder who does receive, not the Pharisees, not the rich man, not James and John. At the climax of Jesus going to Jerusalem, what does Matthew, who does Matthew want us to see? Two blind beggars who must be just like little children, don't you think? The irony is that these blind beggars see Jesus, don't they? They see clearly. Do you see what they say? Verse 30. Lord, son of David. Lord, master, God's ruler. Son of David, the Messiah who was to come and is now here. They see Jesus and they see themselves You can tell by what do they ask for. Have mercy on us. They know they are not religious leaders out to trap Jesus. They know they can't do something. And they know they have no reason to ask a favour. Their only hope is mercy, what they don't deserve. And they think that Jesus will give it. Jesus says, what do you want me to do? For you. Remember in passage last week, when they came asking for a favour, verse 21, Jesus says, what is it you want? He sees their hearts. They're all full of a want that they deserve. And yet this time he hears them cry for mercy from him, the son of David. And so he says, What do you want me to do for you? Remember what John F. Kennedy said? Do not ask what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. It sounds so noble and so self-sacrificial, but what does it really say to you? You are so great that you can do something for your country. And Jesus can see that these blind men are not so stupid. They can't do anything for Jesus. It's Jesus who has to do, rather can do, something for them. What do you want me to do for you? Lord, we want our sight. They see Jesus. And they see themselves, so they ask 
for mercy. None of us are blind here tonight. None of us are beggars. But just before this passage, the reason that Jesus is going to Jerusalem, you see verse 28, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He hasn't just come to serve these two blind men. Jesus thinks there are many. He means many who need to be served, who need him to do something for them, who need to be ransomed. And these blind beggars are a picture of people like you and I, the many who need to be ransomed. Do you believe that? Do you see Jesus, the compassionate king who stopped Do you see yourself as a beggar who needs mercy? And do you see how good this is? In every other area of life, in every other relationship, we are constantly trying to prove ourselves and be good enough. And when we're not good enough, trying to hide the fact from ourselves and from other people that we're not good enough. But if you see Jesus and you see yourself as a beggar, you simply cry out, have mercy on me. Do you see how good this is, not not just for you as an individual, but for us? We could be constantly comparing ourselves with one another, worrying whether we fit in, whether we're good enough. We could be wondering who's the greatest in this church. Some of us could be proud and some of us could feel like we're the least and don't really deserve to be here. But if you see Jesus, the compassionate king, and you see every person here as a beggar, How good it is that we cry out, have mercy on us. And finally, and this is a different one. Do you see how good this is for evangelism? We know, don't we, that if you see Jesus, then you should see how good he is and want to share him with other people. Yet we feel like that's hard to do. We hear about these things coming up with Christmas and the national training event and just our everyday life and we think, I'm not really up to it. I'm not good enough. I don't really want to. And wouldn't it be arrogant to somehow think that we have the truth and other people simply need to hear it? Well, we do have the truth. But if you see that Jesus is the compassionate king and if you see that we are simply beggars who cry out, have mercy on me, then what is evangelism? What is sharing Jesus? Well, a wise person said, evangelism is simply one beggar telling another beggar where to find food. There's no arrogance in it. And there's no need to be perfect at it. It's just such good news. Do you see Jesus? Do you see yourself?
Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we cry out, have mercy on us. Help us open our eyes to see Jesus, the great King who stopped for two blind beggars. Father, help us to see Jesus and help us to see ourselves like those blind beggars and to cry out for mercy on ourselves, to be confident that all of us are in the same boat and equally recipients of your mercy. And Father, we pray you'd help us to see sharing Jesus just as one beggar showing another beggar where to find food. Father, help us to see Jesus and to see ourselves. Amen.